Welcome to Betting with the Bears with Matt and Puneet. All right. Hey, all you cool cubs and berries. Welcome to episode six of Betting with the Bears. With welcome, your welcome. Hosts, with your hosts, Puneet, Brown Bear, and Matt Millibear. Let's get it. I'm ready, for, I'm ready for a good day. Yeah, good day, good week. Uh, so we're starting off Monday here. Um, it, it was it was a little bit of a dark weekend yeah. for both Nilla Bear and myself in terms of our bets. Yeah, thank God we did not have a pod over the weekend because I don't think our locks of the day would have hit. No, not at all. Um, both of the ones, I mean, both Saturday and Sunday, the locks that Matt and I thought were sure shots ended up screwing the pooch. Um, and, and they were revolving around the MLB and we talk about this before too that the MLB is just so variable it's really hard to to go with those heavy favorites because you never know what can happen yeah exactly I mean it's a little less so this year because there's only 60 games but like an 162 game season one loss doesn't mean anything comparative to like the NFL or the NBA where the, the regular season actually matters um like, I mean, it'd be different if we were betting on like series as opposed to individual games, but obviously that's not what we can, that's not allowed. So we, we just take what we can get. Um, but yeah, this was, this was dark. That's all I got to say. Yeah. So hopefully this week we'll, we'll turn our luck around and, and we'll be able to cash in a little more and make up for this bad weekend for the both of us. Yeah, exactly. Hit a couple, a couple parlays and we'll be getting steak for dinner. Yeah, baby. <laughs> All right, so we'll get started. We'll continue on now with um, our NBA restart. Um, but before that, I will start this off with a trivia question for you, Matt. All right, I'm ready. All right, so there are three players who average 25-plus points at the age of 20. Who okay. are those three players? And I can uh, – so it's – I guess if you need help, I can give you two of them. But the third one is is kind of the purpose of the question. All right. Well, I'm guessing it's Luca. Yes. Yeah. So the other two, by the age of twenty, um, KD. Correct. Let's see. I'm trying to think. So it's got to be someone. Was it Kevin Garnett? No. Because Kobe, I've... I'm thinking Kobe didn't really like. He didn't play much as a rookie because he was on an actual good Lakers. Is it LeBron? Am I just overthinking it? Yeah, you're overthinking. It's LeBron. Okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, so it's Kevin Durant at 25 and a half, LeBron at 27 and a half, and Luka right now is averaging 28.7, so almost 29 points a game. And he's, he's 21 now, he's 21 now, but um, as a 20-year-old, it was, uh, he turned 21, like, I think a week or two before the restart, so. Yeah, so the season would have ended even if it wasn't, like, covid ruined yeah yeah so he was just putting up absurd numbers yeah that's insane and we'll get into the mavericks uh there'll be a, the second team we cover today but um it's pretty much just gonna be a luca love fest because luca's the i love that guy he's a man he's great yeah but um we'll we'll start with the rockets here and uh that's not gonna be a love fest at least for matt's side and, uh, <laughs> i think it might be a little more of a love fest for me but but matt you want to go ahead and get started well, yeah, so uh, just to preface that, I do like the Rockets. Um, James Harden, I mean, he's just so much fun to watch. I just – back in his OKC days, when especially when they had Durant and Harden, I cannot stand Russell Westbrook. So the majority of my argument is going to be why they, they can't win because of him. So, um, But before we do that, just so their uh, schedule, their over-under is four and a half. And for whatever reason, this isn't currently on DraftKings if you're looking for it. Maybe it's because, like, the 
um, confusion around Russ about what's going to happen with him since I know he uh, he tested positive and he came back. So I don't know. That, that's just something to note. Um, but as far as their schedule, so they start with the Mavs. Uh, then they play the Bucks, then the Blazers, then the Lakers, the Kings, the Spurs, the Pacers, and that Pacers game is a back-to-back, and then they end it with the Sixers. And uh, looks so me and you, looks like we both have them going over with five wins each. Yeah, so I think they're going to go over on that, and, and it's, again, I'm not, yeah, I'm not really sure why it's not on DraftKings, but yeah, universally looks like four and a half, so we'll stick with that in terms of the over-under projection for them, four and a half, yeah. and then we're both going over with five. Yeah, that's right. So, and then looking a little deeper than that, so their championship odds are plus uh, 1,200, and then they're plus 700 to get out of the West. So they have better odds in the West than some teams that are higher seeded than them, like OKC and uh, and Utah. And I, I'm assuming that's just because just because the star talent. I mean, Russ and, uh, and Harden are just like, like supernovas in the NBA, so I think they're getting a little bit of respect because of that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, if you look closer, though, at their schedule um... – so against their bubble opponents this season, they ha- are actually eight and seven. So pretty mediocre. Um, and then looking at the Western Conference contenders, they're 10 and eight. Um, you also have to keep in mind that they made that huge trade come the trade deadline. Small ball. Yeah. So they, they got rid of Clint Capella and uh, brought in um, Robert Covington Rocco. So yeah, Matt, your boy. Yeah. I was, just, I was literally going to say my boy because yeah, yeah. Rocco. Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah, so they they went small ball and and they've they've had a lot of success after that trade and and this year really the year twenty twenty they they've turned it around and and that that dynamic of Russ and, and Harden has definitely worked a lot better in in these last couple months in the last two months before the shutdown. Yeah, but I see. So I remember right before the shutdown happened, everybody was kind of like, "Oh man, the Rockets! Like they could be, yet they could be uh, figuring something out with the small ball." And they uh, they started nine and two, uh, or they were nine and two in February, uh, and they had some good wins in that stretch. So they beat the Lakers, they beat the Jazz, and they beat the Celtics twice. Um, and then the loss was one of them was to the Suns, which is a bad loss. But after that February run, I think people kind of forget that they kind of came back to earth after that. So. They only played five games in March, but they were one and four, and with just some ugly losses. I mean, they lost to the Knicks, uh, they lost to Charlotte, and then Orlando's a little bit better, but still a team they should beat. So, I kind of think with um, once they kind of put more film on, people knew how to play them, and I think the small ball. I don't know. It was only really a nine game or eleven game stretch in February that the small ball uh, kicked. I mean, granted, they didn't have that many games played, so it's not like we could have a larger sample size, but I, they, they they did kind of lose steam at the end. Yeah, I mean, you definitely see it. But again, like you kind of look at that time period and and that really is the lull of the NBA season, usually for a lot of teams. So it's hard to to kind of, I guess, judge them on just that, what those four losses that they had. Yeah, I mean, it's a five game. It's really a five game stretch. So it's right. It's just tough because of like, obviously, the shutdown just kind of you wondered if that was a blip or if they were coming back down to earth. Yeah. I mean, personally, I think that they, that that was just a blip, like you said. Um, I think that that what they're doing with the small ball here is actually going to work really well for them, especially come playoff time, because you do have teams that they're going to have to um, teams that will have to keep up with them because their pace is just absurd. Yeah, and and if you if you look about the specific matchups in the West, there's really only one big man that I can, or I guess two, if you with Jokic, uh, the Jokic and Anthony Davis. Skinny Jokic. Yeah, well, it's true. I got to be. I got to be respectful. <laughs> um, but really only two big men that could, like, 
that could flip a series that are that talented. I mean, Gobert, they'll play right off the floor. Um, I mean, Gobert, Harden's just stole his lunch money. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, Granny's done the same with Jokic, but we never know how skinny Jokic will be. And then um, the only really, I mean, with the Mavericks, I guess KP, but they're the seven seeds. So they, there's almost no chance that they would, uh, they're the six and seven seeds. Houston is six. So there's almost no chance they would even see each other, regardless of how the seeds shake out. Uh, and then with OKC, Steven Adams is not anybody you're scared about. No, not at all. And and I don't think that Russ is really scared of anyone on OKC. I don't think Russ, honestly, and, and James Harden, both of them, I don't think either one of them are scared of a single person in the NBA. I in mean, the in the world. They, yeah. they could be they could see Thanos and be like, yeah, whatever. I, yeah. I'll, I'll help put buckets on them. Yeah. I mean, if you really think about it, the they they are in contention for one of the best duos in the league. I mean, you have LeBron and AD, you have Kawhi and PG, you can say Embiid and Ben Simmons. Um, and that that's that's for you. So yeah. giving you courtesy there. Um, <laughs> Damon McCollum. Damon McCollum, but in terms yeah. of yeah, what they can do and, and just how they can take over games, those are two MVPs right there. Russ yeah. and Harden. Yeah, so the issue with them is, is just defense. Neither of those two care a lick about defense. Um and that bears the so the stats bear that out. So they have the second ranked offense ahead of um like the Lakers, the Bucks, the Clippers ahead of all these heavy hitters but they have the 16th best defense. And that's just in the playoffs that won't fly because um, you'll get, I mean, your weakest defender gets targeted and they have two that could get targeted with Russ and, and Harden. That is true. But again, they've never been a team to care about defense. Honestly, their whole mantra is let's outscore our opponent. If they're going to put up 130, we're going to put up 140 or 150. Yeah, that's the case this year. But the previous two years when they had Chris Paul, they were, they had like the, some of the best, like that one year when, uh, they were they were the one seed in the West. They had the best defense in the league. So this year, yes, but that's just because they have Russ and Harden. Um, they like they try to surround them with as good as defenders as they can, which is why they got Rocco, uh, Trevor Reza back in the day, uh, PJ Tucker, um, with the uh, the shooting guard Eric Gordon. He can he can strap a little bit. Um, so I mean, defense has been a philosophy. That's like a huge thing with Daryl Morey. Um, but this year, they're just like whatever. We have Russ and Harden. Yeah, and I mean that's not a bad bet, honestly. I'm I'm all for it. I'm a huge fan of Russell Westbrook um and James Harden, but I think that this team will go as far as, as Westbrook lets them. Uh um, yeah, okay. And, so they're gonna go like down the street. Yeah, okay, whatever. Um <laughs> so for honestly though, you know, like everyone has seen kind of how it took him time to adjust when he came to Houston. And there was definitely problems when him and Harden were on the road because they're both ball dominant players. And Russ can't um, shoot. That's the biggest thing is Russ can't shoot. Right. But then once they opened up, got rid of Capella and said, hey, Russ, drive the lane, do whatever you want, but just stop shooting three-pointers. And if you are going to drive the lane, just keep trying to kick it out if you don't have a shot. Once he got that through his head and started to actually play like he should be playing with another superstar, they took off. Yeah, they took off and then they lost and then they went one and four in March. So. I mean, you could, there are arguments to both sides. Um, and you think that, yeah, maybe Russ can buy in for an 11-game stretch in February. But when he was on a team with KD, he still thought he was the man. And he still had – like when the playoffs came around, he still tried to take over. And he always shot more than KD, every playoff series between them. Yeah, I mean, I chalked that up to immaturity. I mean, I think at this point he is understanding that he's not the number one. Um, I think I that – uh, see, I, I disagree that there. I don't think Russell Westbrook would ever, ever admit that. I think he, he would never admit it, but I think he's definitely taken – or he's understood it, at least with Houston. I don't think when Paul George came to Oklahoma City, I don't think Paul George is a true number one option. I think Russ, Westbrook is a is more of a number one than Paul George is. 
Yeah, I agree. I, yeah, that I agree. With. That I agree with. And I mean, you can look at his success in the playoffs when KD was in Oklahoma City with Russ. The last time he had, actually, let me ask you this then. So, who are the who do you think are like the five top five top five or six players in the NBA injured or not right now? Um, I mean, so one LeBron, two yep. Kawhi. Yep. Three, three, I would probably go Harden. Um, if Steph, healthy Steph is in there. A healthy KD is obviously in there. Yep. Um, and Giannis, you got to throw him, right? Yeah, Giannis. Yeah, can't forget about Giannis. Right, and, so that's like five or six, right? Yeah, um, and then, like, I would still I, I would still take Embiid and Simmons over Russ because, like, Simmons has, like, such an awful glaring weakness, but he just never does it, which Russ does. And Simmons is, like, one of the best defenders in the league. So I would take both Embiid and Simmons over him. Yeah, and that's fine. I'm not I'm not making a case for Russell, but I'm making a case for who he has played with since KD. I mean, when he was in Oklahoma City with him and KD, they were one win away from beating the best team, the best regular season team in NBA history in the Golden State Warriors and one win away from the NBA Finals. And he actually averaged his highest assists of his career that year when he was with KD and his plus minus was plus 7.8 that season. So, he definitely was able to work with somebody of that caliber that was just Katie being a baby and getting out of there because he didn't was think it, he could beat. Uh, was Golden it Katie State. being a baby or was it him being like, I'm sick of this little pit bull that just keeps shooting and thinks that he's Steph Curry, but he's actually Ben Simmons. Well, see, that's the thing. Like again, he averaged, he averaged his highest assist of his career that year with KD, not those triple-double seasons that he had after KD had left. So you can tell that he was actually facilitating. It's based – just looking at the stats, he was passing the ball. He's giving KD the ball. And everyone yeah, knows that KD punked out when he left Oklahoma City. But he still shot more than KD. That's, like, the whole thing. Like, he's never been a bad passer. He just either is passing or he has the ball, and then he, he doesn't move off the ball. And so if he doesn't have the ball, he's a waste of space. And that's fine, right? I mean – Again, I think this is also encompassing his entire career, including post-KD, where he was literally the only thing that Oklahoma City had. I mean, he was playing with Steven Adams. It's fine. Big man. Great, solid big man. But who else was he playing with? Like, Yeah. Well, okay. I so mean, he had... like, he had Victor Oladipo when he was in, like, his third year and still kind of developing. Otherwise, he was, like, Robertson was probably his, his best wing shooter. He had, like, Nick Collison, who was just a great, great player for Oklahoma City and for that franchise but he was never anything special he was never an all-star paul george never really i mean he had he had uh mellow but i mean that's a wash yeah. up mellow that's not yeah. great so people look at russ and they fault him for what he did but he had nobody around him once kd left once they traded harden from oklahoma city and kd left and then serge Ibaka left i mean oklahoma city just didn't care they're like all right we're just gonna let russ do whatever he wants and we're not gonna give him any help yeah, well, I mean, well, I mean, PG's not a scrub. They gave him help. No, him- definitely not. But again, I don't think that PG is on the level of a a number one that you can go deep in the playoffs with. Right. Yeah. 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 I know. But like, of course, when Kevin Durant leads your team. You're never going to have his teammate as you're never going to have a teammate as good as Kevin Durant. Um, I mean, that he's like the top three player in the league when he's healthy. So unless he teams up with LeBron or Kawhi, I mean, that's. That's never going to happen. And, and see, that's what I'm saying. That's why I asked you who are the top few players in the league right now. And James Harden came up, and that's what I'm saying. I think that there will be more to the Rockets this year because when they had Chris Paul, at least, when it was Chris Paul and James Harden, that was an issue for James because Chris Paul became very ball-dominant and became a stubborn player. 
Yeah, and, I mean, Chris Paul has always kind of been like that. Right, and I think that's where I'm saying I think Russell understood, you know, the turn of the new year in 2020. He understood where he was fitting into that offense and into that team, and he understood that, yeah, this is Harden's team, and he's going to have to kind of take a backseat to him being the more do- ball-dominant one and getting him his shots. But I think he adjusted well, like we said, in those few games. He actually, what, in the month of February – he went over he was 40 on, like three or four times. He was yeah, on fire. Yeah, so he averaged 33 points, seven rebounds, and six assists, and he was shooting 55%. And, 55? Yeah, and 40% from downtown, which was actually nuts because he's an awful three-point shooter. But he stopped taking those boneheaded three-point shots, and he was just taking the open shots that he would get in the flow of the offense. Yeah, and you wonder how that's going to – like he, he slowed down at the end. Like we said, the February was great, the March was not, and then – um, you wonder, like, yeah, maybe he can do that in a nine-game stretch in the regular season. But when it's playoff time, I just think that he is who he is. And he has spent so much so much time being that guy. I don't think you just change because of 11 games in February. Um, and, yeah, he did, like, his – he did shoot less. He did shoot with, like, a not bad percentage. Uh, I get, like you said, 40. But if you look at the season as a whole, he shot 25%. And he still averages almost four a game. Uh, this isn't the entire season. Uh, last year, again, this was with Oklahoma City. He shot six a game on 29%. And if you look at um, – if you just look at shots that are wide open, which NBA considers nobody within six feet, he only shot 33%. So he's basically shooting in an empty gym, and he still can't make more than a third of his threes. Um, and then just his plus minus. So when he's on the court, he's plus two and a half. And when he's off the court, the Rockets are plus one and a half. So when you really drill down, he's what he's worth one point a game when you compare that to like players that are actually good and actually help their teams win, like James Harden, he's plus, he's plus over four plus 4.1 and he's negative off the court. So it doesn't, he doesn't really show a player that contributes to winning at a high level. Yeah. I I mean, that's understood. Right. And the big thing on him has always been, he's a stat pattern like that. That's, he's just out there for his stats that people have had issues with his triple doubles and stuff. But again, I think this is different. I think he is, realizing that he doesn't have to be or he is not the number one for the first time since they were a game away in in 2016 from the NBA finals. And I think he's going to embrace that role. And I think he's going to, I mean, you say like, yeah, sure. He can turn it on for a nine game stretch and you know, the team can go bananas. If they were to go nine and two in the playoffs, they would win the first two rounds then. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, but by turning on, he was scored over 40 points, but, I don't like that was with him, like you said, kind of going within the flow of the offense and respecting Harden and not taking like three to five shots, six seconds into the shot clock where you're like, what the heck are you doing? Right. Like that, I think when it comes not when it's not crunching time in the playoffs, when he was like, when he knows that there's no regular season when like you're either do or die, I think that he's just going to be who he is. So that'll be interesting to, to bear out the stats to kind of see how much he's shooting compared to Harden and see if he's still shooting more. Because he's right now he's shooting like 21 shots a game, uh, which isn't terrible because like that's like superstar level. Uh, Harden is like way more than that, but nobody on the Rockets, nobody else shoots besides Russ or Harden. So mm-hmm. the 20 shots a game isn't really that bad. Um, it's just it's mainly just seeing how him and like what happens in the playoffs when he if he can understand that he's actually not the best player on his team, which he couldn't with Kevin Durant, who as good as James Harden is, Kevin Durant is better. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and, and I think that's what we'll, we'll have to see and we'll, we'll revisit this come playoff time is 
which Russ are we going to actually end up seeing? I, I, hopefully the eight games kind of give us an idea of, of what he's thinking and happy that he's back. You know, he tested positive. So glad that he's in full health and he's returned to camp and everything and, and he will be playing with them. Um, but yeah, well, well, it'll, it'll be interesting to see in these eight games, which Russ shows up. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and yeah, we can kind of close the loop there. Cause I mean, we could argue all day about it, but yeah, <laughs> um, this isn't the Sixers and it's not a Washington team. So we'll try and keep it short. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> just to close the loop on the rocket. So the, yeah, like we said, the, the over under is four and a half, depending on where you look. Um, we both have them going over, but for whatever reason, it's not currently on DraftKings. So it's just something to look out for. Yeah, and, and we'll keep we'll update um, if if it does show up and if and when it show, shows up on DraftKings, we'll we'll update our our lines and and we'll let you all know what's going on there. Yeah, for sure. So um, with that, we'll, we'll transition to the Mavericks, who are the seventh seed. Who I just adore the Mavericks mainly because Luca's the best. Um, he's great, but as far as the regular season and the or the bubble, I should say, um, over under is four and a half. Um, and that actually is on DraftKings, so that one you could look at and. Looks like, again, we both have them going over. Yep. Um, I, we each have them winning five games uh, just to go through their schedule. So they play the Rockets first, which is kind of funny. So we're, we're just yelling about them. Yeah. Uh, I have them beating the Rockets. Puneet has them losing to the Rockets. Um, then they play the Suns, the Kings, the Clippers, the Bucks, Jazz, Portland, and then they end with the Suns. And like I said, we both have them winning over five. And that's pretty – I mean, we're pretty comfortable in that because they really only have – Two tough games with the Clippers and Bucks, and then everything else is pretty winnable. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think it'll be it sh- they should win comfortably yeah. five games. It, it'll be a toss up between a couple of those random games between some of those teams that they might they should win against and they don't versus the teams that they probably should lose against and they will. Yeah, um, exactly. But yeah, the, it's plus ten for the plus one ten, excuse me, for the over. So if you were to bet on that, you'll you'll make more um, off of it. So that'll be nice, and that's something that that. Um, I think Matt and I will both probably put in uh, a little bit of cheese on. Yeah, for sure. Some of the, yeah, I mean, anything I can do to root for Luca. Yeah, I yeah I agree with that 100. percent I mean, they're they are 40 and 27 this year. Um, unfortunately, seven and eight versus their bubble opponents. But again, that includes the Clippers and the Bucks and and Houston. So those are three more or less juggernaut teams in the league. Uh, but they are a great team. They're so fun to watch. Luca is just so exciting and, and yeah. such a good basketball player and such a breath of fresh air um because he's so young and and he's going to be this good for years to come yeah you just the only thing with Luca is you hope that he like adopts the LeBron the LeBron die because he's still got a little bit of that baby kid fat on him yeah um I mean he's he's no he's no old Jokic by any means but (laughs) I think that he has to get on that LeBron diet and and like a ripped Luca I mean he could legitimately be the best player in the league yeah, I mean, he was Rookie of the Year, and I would not be shocked at all if he ends up winning the MVP in, in the future here. Yeah, um, for But sure. in terms of this year, um, yeah, I mean, they're plus 4,000, like you said, for championship odds and plus 1,400 to win the West. So I don't really see them as a huge threat at all. I think they'll probably end up seven or eight, um, and I think that they could steal a game or two maybe from either one of the L.A. teams, but I don't. I don't really see them as getting past the first round right now. Yeah, I don't either. And right now, I think they're locked into – like, I don't think they could go lower than seven. So um, Okay. Yeah, but either way, I mean, it depends what they – like, if they play the Jazz, then I mean, you are both all in on that. But Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that's unlikely because the Jazz are four. So, I guess some, some shuffling would have to go around, and once we get closer to the matchups, we can revisit that. We can revisit that. But, yeah, 
they're such a fun team to watch and the stats kind of bear that out. So um, they have the highest offensive rating in the league and, and that they just like blitz opponents, but the issue with them and which is the same issue they kind of with the Rockets is defense. Um, mm-hmm. They're, they're lower, they're lower half in defense and they just, as good as uh, Luca is, he's not quite there on the defensive end yet. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, they, they're right in the middle of the league. They're 15th at um, opponents points per game. So they're very average on defense. Um, but again, I think we're going to – we really just want to talk about Luca because he's just so good. Yeah. Um, he's averaging 28 – or 29 points a game, nine rebounds, nine assists. Um, he's broken MJ's record for most consecutive 25-5 and five games. And he um, – going back to the trivia question, before turning 21, he had 21 triple-doubles before turning 21. The next closest to him is Magic Johnson at seven which is just absurd to think about. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's only his second year in the league, so he's, it's not like he's been doing this forever. No, not at all. And again, you know, they had that huge streak in November and December where they won 10 out of 11. Um, they beat the Lakers, Raptors, and Rockets, and their only loss coming to the Clippers. So they definitely can hang with some of those big boys in the West and, and a couple of good teams in the East as well, mentioning the Raptors. But I don't, in a seven-game series, I, I don't know if I can really rely on them that much yet. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. And um, so their their schedule is 40 and 27, but Luca missed 13 of those games. And I would have thought they'd be worse, but they're only six and seven when he sat. Um, and Luca does so much for that team. I, I personally thought that when when he was out, I'm like, oh, they're gonna get they're gonna get screwed. They're gonna be like the Cavs when LeBron left. But six and seven is not bad. And I think the main reason for that we can both agree is kind of Porzing- Porzingis, the Porzing God. Yeah. So I mean. You, you go and, you know, we're, we're sitting here comparing him to, to LeBron and KD and go look yeah. at their sophomore season. I mean, I'm sure that they weren't all end all be all for their teams their sophomore years yet either, but it's definitely going to happen. But again, yeah, I mean, Porzingis definitely has, you know, he's he's done well this year coming off of that full year being out uh, via injury, but he's averaged 19 and a half and nine and a half rebounds a game. It's actually his highest rebounding average of his career. Um but yeah, I mean, he's he definitely did start slow coming back from that ACL surgery. Yeah, exactly. So the nineteen and a half is actually pretty impressive because um, he he there's he there's a three month span where he only where he averaged less than uh, twenty points a game. So in November he was fifteen, and then December and January he was seventeen. Um, he was he was higher in in October, but he didn't have that many games played. So just really one good game kind of ruined that stat. But then um in february and in the short amount of games we had march he was over 20 points a game so i think that um i mean coming back from an acl you kind of just need to get your legs under you again so he started he started to do that excuse me and i think that um i mean the talent of the porzingis and luca i mean that can maybe not this year but i mean those are i mean we were talking about dynamic duos they could be up there as soon as next year oh easily i mean they could uh... The like Euro connection that they have is awesome. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I love that Dallas always finds these Euro talents. And yeah, like these, Dirk. Yeah, and and this is actually going to be their first playoff, um, first time going to the playoffs since um, Dirk retired, which is cool. Um, and it will be Luca and Porzingis' first time in the playoffs, so that's something to keep mind of. You know, will those playoff jitters for the first time for both of them be a factor in how they play and how they show up? Yeah, for sure. Um, it'll be yeah, the, the, it'll be fun to watch. I, um, I mean the, the the whole playoff thing. I mean, Porzingis was just riding it with the Knicks. So, yeah. and then it's only Luca's second year in the league, so it's not like they have that many chances. But yeah, I mean, generally teams don't make deep runs their first their first playoff run. So even if they were a higher seed, 
um, I think we would both kind of, they, I mean, even if they, yeah, they won a little bit more games. I think we both kind of would be out on their chances as far as the championship, but um, yeah, I mean, looking forward to the future, I, it's going to be, I'm going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of surround their team surrounding those two. Yeah, definitely. And, and to um, just go back real quick, it's actually their first playoff, first time going to the playoffs without Dirk since the early 2000s. So that'll be cool that this is kind of the next generation of the Mavericks that is bringing them up. And, and you know, I, I'm, I hope they have some success in the coming years, but I don't know if it's going to be this year. Yeah, um, I agree. I think we both kind of think that, again, it, it'll depend on the matchup, but they probably won't make it past the first round. Yeah, I mean, so they're 38-26 and 26 when both Luka and Porzingis play, which is surprising. You would think that with both of them on the floor, they'd be better. Um, but again, I think they're trending upwards. I think that record will definitely get better as time goes on. I think this break probably helped Porzingis more in terms of his injury too. So I think that that um, will bode well for, our, for him in this eight-game bubble. Um, and, you know, like I said, they might win a game or two in the playoffs, but that's, yeah, exactly. Although we did forget to talk about one thing that, and because of this, they're going to win everything. (laughs) That's because of Boban. Boban, the man. Yeah. I'm, I I like Boban like previously, but I'm so glad I got a half season of him in Philly because he is just a delight. Yeah. It's great. I mean, he, uh, he put up a huge game right before the shutdown. Yeah. 31 and 17, which is absurd. That's so awesome, though. I, I know. Mean, the dude's great. Um, I mean, he's so funny. He's so comical, too. Everything you've seen, all the footage of him at uh, at Disney is just so funny. Yeah, I know. And everybody you ask, they just love him. I mean, they. I think The Athletic did a deep dive, and they're kind of saying that you, you'll never catch Boban having a bad day. And that's just great to see. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but, yeah, with that, again, we, we think we're, we're comfortable with the over for them at four and a half. And, yep. um you know, we'll, we'll probably talk about them a little bit come Western Conference playoff time, but we don't really see them making much noise. Yeah, exactly. So um, before we get to our um, lock of the day, there's a couple a couple programming notes. So um, this is so tomorrow, or no, so, excuse me, Tuesday will be yeah. So I guess tomorrow will be our last day doing uh, NBA recaps. Of course, the phone goes off again. <laughs> Pizza. Um, yeah, I hope so. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Tuesday. So Monday's today. Tuesday will be the last day we'll do NBA recaps. And then Wednesday will be a, a non-gambling show, just a fun thing that we have planned to kind of close the loop on the NBA restart. And then Thursday we'll be- get back into the individual games. Yeah. And then, so we've, we've heard the noise. We've heard the talk about how our picks of the day are just teams with high odds. And, you know, if someone might not want to have that much risk that we really haven't been providing. We've, so we've heard the noise and starting today, we'll have our lock of the day and an upset of the day. So, a little bit, something a little bit more fun for you to root for. It's always great to root for an underdog. All right, yeah. So with that, um, we're going to dub this, and this is dedicating it to Matt's awesome dog, Carson. We're going to name it the Carson Underdog Pick of the Day. Yeah, let's go. I mean, Carson, he knows he knows value when he sees it. So if if uh, we get some wrong picks, don't get mad at us. Get mad at Carson. Yeah. It's, so with, it's... That, with that face, you cannot be mad at him. Yeah, so exactly. Blame him. He's the one giving us this information. So yes, exactly. <laughs> but um, with that, yeah, well, uh, I'll, I'll I'll start with the the dog of the day. We think today um, we're going to move to MLS, and it's going to be the Seattle Sounders upsetting uh, LAFC uh, in the first round of knockout stages for the the MLS Cup. Uh, Seattle is actually plus two thirty five to win, um, so huge underdog there. But yeah. Um, 
they have a lot of experience in knockout stages. You know, they've been one of the perennial teams in the MLS for years. They won the MLS Cup in 2016 and last season, 2019, and then reached the final in 17. Um, 2017, they actually beat this LAFC team 3-1. to one And um, or, I'm sorry, not 2017. Last year, 2019, they beat this LAFC team 3-1. to one in the Western conference final and they pretty much shut them down offensively there. Yeah. I think this is a good pick. Um, I mean, anything with the MLS and the restart, it's going to be a little nutty, but I think as far as the upset of the day, I, I love it. I mean, the, I was honestly shocked to see the odds were that were that high for them to win. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, you, you can make the case for LAFC and the, the reason why they're favored is because their offense has just been blazing during the, the return, the, the welcome back cup at, uh, for MLS. They scored 11 goals in three games. Yeah. That's um, insane. But on the flip side, they've also given up seven. Um, and they've had one win and two ties. And that one win, they put up six goals. So it, those two ties, you know, they put up two and three goals respectively. But their defense is definitely suspect. And Seattle, their bread and butter is their defense. Um, they've only let up two goals in three games. And they scored four. Their record is a little shaky. They're one, one, and one. Uh, but... Uh, like I said, their defense will give them the edge and their experience are pretty much returning most of their championship team from last year. Um, so it's really hard to count them out so early on. Um, and, and in the MLS community, this game, everyone's kind of bummed that it, it's happening in the first knockout round because they expected both these two teams to make a far run. Yeah, yeah, I, I like it. It's, the championship pedigree, I don't really think that can be overlooked, especially right. in, in its, yeah, a situation as unique as this. So, yeah, I'm, 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 I am all in on Carson's underdog of the day awesome um so looking looking uh forward to our lock of the day uh this one was tough we didn't have that many great options to choose from because there's no soccer except for mls going on tomorrow um it's just baseball and as we mentioned at the top of the show baseball can be a little bit nutty so this might be just a, a rage pick on my end but i'm choosing the lock as the the yankees over the phillies so the phillies um, after this weekend are one and two and they lost to which everyone thought would be the worst team in the league, the Marlins twice. And uh, the pit or the, the Phillies, the, their bullpen is what kind of did them in. So they, they started the game today with a four Oh lead in the first inning. And then they got outscored and they lost 11 to six. So they got scored 11 to two after that. And the majority of that was because of their bullpen. So the starter gave up three and then the bullpen gave up the, the rest. So, um, it's a little bit risky, like we said, because it's baseball, but um, just as bad as I watched the Phillies be this weekend, and the Yankees are just a juggernaut. So Jake Arrieta is on the mound for the Phillies, and I could just see the Yankees teeing off on him. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And uh, as a Nats fan, they opened up against the Yanks and, and lost two out of three um, to them, and it was painful to watch. But, yeah, that Yankees team is just stacked. And, you know, their bullpen, they, they did a good job in kind of containing the Nats in those two victories. So – I can see them also beating the Phillies here as well. Yeah, and the, the Yankees pitcher is J.A. Happ, who he's not a stud, but um, the Phillies in, in uh, yesterday's game on Sunday, they had the bases loaded three times and didn't score a single time. So I don't really think that they can be the one to take advantage of suspect pitching. So um, that will be our sixth, hopefully making a 6-0 and lock of the day. Yep, let's hope so. All right. I think that about wraps it up for today. Yeah. And with that, we'll wrap it up. So appreciate you guys listening. Yep. And until next time, y'all, bears out. Peace.